Hi, I'm Catherine, host of Pieces of Home. In each episode, we explore unconventional paths and uncover stories from guests who have built a life by design. Take the lessons that they've learned and apply them to our journey in crafting a life that's uniquely ours. Today, I'm speaking with Mia. She is a leadership consultant and a learning experience designer. Her study started in intercultural management, which then led her to a Master of Science in Consciousness, Spirituality, and Transpersonal Psychology. Her work revolves around weaving the paths of personal, professional, and spiritual to help people approach leadership and learning in an innovative way. She is now living in Tulum, and that is where I've met her almost a year ago now, at a New Year's Eve party. In fact, it was a jungle EDM style party. And guys, I'm not an EDM party person, although I've had my days interested in such parties, but that was many years ago. Anyways, so in an uncommon event, I attended such party and went there along with a group of friends and Mia was there. Since then, I've had many chats with her and they always end up being like a podcast episode of sorts where in the first two minutes or so, we get super introspective and philosophical. And if that's your thing, if you're someone who thinks about your own relationship to the spiritual and could benefit from tips on where to start when it comes to feeling a deeper sense of connection with yourself, then this episode is for you. Like I said, it's not uncommon for us to get super introspective within the first minute or two, and that's what you're about to hear. We dive right into answering the simple question, how are you? So, how are you, Mia? It's like that differentiation between, well, being a human doing and being a human being, right? And feeling into that beingness that we often leave out because we're so busy, like distracted with all of our tasks that we don't really have a lot of time or take a lot of time to be. And in that being state, would it only be possible to check in with ourselves and really notice how we feel, right? And what's going on. But because we don't do that, how can we authentically even answer a question like, how are you? If we don't, for example, intentionally take the time in the morning to, yeah, to even notice, oh, how am I today? Am I tired? Am I excited? Am I overwhelmed? Like what's going on? Yeah, so mm. true. Have you been checking in with yourself lately on these <laughs> kind of questions? Interestingly, I did, or I do at the moment. I'm going through phases with all of these like self-improvement habits and all of that. But at the moment, I really take them more seriously again because I feel, I honestly feel a bit burned out right now. Mm. And um, that's why I'm meditating for an hour in the mornings. And that really helps to not only check in a little bit, because usually I would do like 20 to 30 minutes, but now I extended the time for, for meditating. And that really helps me get more in touch with how I'm, how I'm really feeling, you know, and I can, I can answer that question more authentically when people ask me and I don't hide it even, you know, it's like, mm. I don't feel amazing right now. And that's how it is, you know, and I think embracing that is really important, especially when people think that everything in your life is so amazing. We live in paradise, you know, like everything looks so yeah. great. And I'm like, actually, like the internal reality is different, you know, and bringing more, yeah, more raw truths to the surface, I think is super important so that we don't get lost in this um, fake bubble that we see on social media all the time of like, oh, people's life is so, 
fantastic and perfect. Never compare someone's external to your internal. That's kind of the learning that I'm really internalizing right now. It's true. And sometimes we're so good at it. When you said hiding it, you're kind of hiding it from yourself too sometimes. And buying yeah. into what you post, that's not for other people. That's for yourself as well. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. It's like, this is what I want my reality to be, you know, or like mm -hmm. I post the highlights because those are the moments that excite me the most and I want to focus on them. So I think it's, it's not a bad thing necessarily yeah. to wanting to bring them to the, to the forefront of your own mind and other people's mind, but it's equally important to acknowledge the shadows, at least for yourself. You don't have to do it publicly, but I think at least for yourself and with your mm -hmm. closest, closest people. I thought that you might have been reflective lately. I was on Instagram last night. <laughs> I saw your post. The one where it shows this colorful mural on the mm -hmm. street and on it, it says, <laughs> Mama, I'm not coming home. Mm -hmm. And as I was reading the caption, I realized that you left Germany and came to Mexico about a year ago. And I realized yeah. we met about a year ago. Yeah, I arrived, um, I think last week, a year ago, we must have met somewhere around that time, I think. Yeah. So it's been, yeah, we, we have our yearly anniversary as well. <laughs> How cool is it that our yearly anniversary is New Year's Eve? <laughs> I know, right? That's definitely something to remember. <laughs> it was so, a great anniversary. Yeah. I remember my first impression of you was just light and joy. <laughs> <laughs> that's so sweet yeah it's it's I actually hear that a lot from people and I feel I've always been this way like even since a little child I've always been happy and very you know um bubbly and all of that and I remember when I was flying to see my dad because my parents separated when I was like six I would come out of the plane you know accompanied by the stewardesses and stuff but I would always have this one businessman that I would sit next to you know and I would just tell them our whole life story and when my mom or my dad picked me up and I'm walking with this businessman oh <laughs> outside of the plane <laughs> they just knew that he knows things they wish he wouldn't know <laughs> but I would just always be like an open book and the reason why I'm saying that is I love that quality about me. And also, as Carl Jung said, you know, where there's a lot of light, there's a lot of darkness as well. And I think sometimes I try to not even face that or I try to hide it from myself and from others, that there's so much inner pain that I experience in order to be able to radiate that light. And sometimes I feel like people might think that I'm just this bubbly, happy, radiant being, but mm -hmm. there's a lot that comes with that in order to be this way. So it's right. just something that I think is important when we see people who radiate a lot of light that there usually yeah. is a price to pay in order to be that way. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm also saying that not only because we were at a New Year's Eve party, of course, <laughs> one would be kind of more bubbly in that That's scenario. True. But I did run into you several times where you mm -hmm. haven't seen me yet, but I see you walking down the street with your big mm. headphones on. <laughs> you still have that yes. same vibe. Oh, I appreciate that. That's amazing. Um, so yeah, on that same post in the caption, you wrote that in Mexico, you found 
community, you found a sense of freedom and love. And I'm glad you touched a little bit on your childhood because I'm curious to know what do you think it is about your upbringing that led you to become who you are today, someone that's free-spirited, but also what do you think about uh, your childhood that led you to go on this search to look for a place where you you know, felt that sense of freedom or wanted that community or desired to find love abroad? Hmm. Okay, let me answer the first part of the question first. And I think one of the qualities that my dad really installed in me was curiosity. And being a Sagittarius, I think that comes naturally to me, but I was always raised in a way by my parents to ask questions, to be curious, to go out there. Like I remember my mom telling me that her heart was nearly stopping when she saw me climbing like super high trees, you know, and all of the other parents would be like, don't you want to take her down there and all of that? And she was like, that's okay. You know, it's, it's fine. Because she had a very radical trust in my abilities from a very young age. And I think that made me quite confident in myself and being able to to succeed, whether that comes to starting a new life in, in a new country, which I've done several times, like in Mexico and Sweden and Australia and New Zealand. Um, I always made it. I have a deep sense of trust that I think was instilled in me by my parents and that curiosity to go out there and to explore the world because there's so much to see. And we were traveling a lot as well when I was younger. So I think that also contributed to it, to just being exposed to different cultures from a young age, different places, and having that mental stimulation of like, oh, wow, there's more than my little town where everything is so familiar. Mm -hmm. And I think that made me continue traveling over the years because I was always fascinated by what is what is different to me when we try to create a sense of self we also need to understand what is other what is me what is not me and by exposing yourself to people from different cultures it's much easier to understand what is me what is not me simply because the differences are rather radical sometimes mm -hmm. and i think that can be so beneficial especially for a child or in, you know in adolescence when you're still in development um but at any age, really, like travel can can open up so much. Yeah, so much of it is the way we respond, the way that mm -hmm. your parents responded to you, you know, being curious about the world. Mm -hmm. And if something goes wrong, if the child trips to not overreact, mm -hmm. to not project, and just to nourish and encourage. Mm -hmm. Do you think you were conscious about... I want to go to Latin America because it is so different because of what you just said. The culture is so different. I know I will get a lot out of it. So it was quite <laughs> a process of deciding where to move to next because I really loved it in Australia, but then COVID happened and I had to leave the country with visa issues and no one really knew what was going on and the borders shutting, et cetera, et cetera. And when I lived in Sweden during 2021, I was kind of living like a hermit, very um, withdrawn from society and just like in my little pink house by the sea uh, in the forest, <laughs> in, the, <laughs> in the forest and by the sea. It was a beautiful location. But eventually I realized that human beings are social beings and I wanted to find a place where I could 
have a sense of community. So that was my next non-negotiable for for my next destination where I would want to live. Because in, in Sweden, I had the isolation. Now I needed the connection. So I was just looking at, you know, digital nomad hotspots around the world. And one of the places was Thailand or Bali. And then, um, yeah, Mexico and Costa Rica. And it wasn't like, oh, I'm going to choose Mexico because for whatever reason, it was more... Um, like kind of what was left on my list after checking all of my criteria, which again was finding community. I wanted it also to be more of a place with with a deeper sense of spirituality. Obviously, here is a lot of Mayan culture. Europe has a lot of other kind of tradition and history, but not so much in this spiritual direction. And then the other component really was visa regulations. And Mexico was much easier than the Asian area. And also time zone wise with work, Mexico just made more sense. Mm. So that's when I packed my bags and said, all right, let's just go there. I've never been to the US, never been to Canada, never been to Latin America or that whole part of the world. I've spent more time on the other side. And I didn't really know what I was getting myself into because when I lived in Sweden or Australia, New Zealand, those are all still very Western countries. But here it was something that I haven't been. And you know, with all of the cliches that you hear about, oh, there's so many drugs and like people would get shot in the streets and you're a young white woman, what are you doing? And my grandparents were shocked when I told them I'm going to go to Mexico. And they were like, what? Like, <laughs> you can't do that, blah, blah, blah. But thank God my parents were super supportive and encouraged me to just just try it, you know, and always having that sense of safety as well to be able to return home that always gave me a big sense of mm, yes safety to take risks I like to take calculated risks I'm not a person yeah. who just jumps into something like oh I don't care about the consequences I do like to think about the consequences of oh <laughs> what if it doesn't work out you know <laughs> yeah but um yeah having that strong relationship with my parents and knowing that I could always come back allowed me to be more bold in terms of the moves that I made have, mm. I can't wait until I meet your mom. I think she's coming on week. Wednesday. On yes. Wednesday. <laughs> I can't wait exciting. to ask her. Mm. How, how, how did you feel all those times where Mia made those bold decisions? <laughs> mm -hmm. I can tell you the first time when I left home, which was when I was 15, to move to New Zealand, which from Germany is literally like the other side of the world. <laughs> yeah. um, that was a big step for her. And she had to face a lot of adversity from my grandparents who were accusing her to be a bad mother of letting me go or sending your child to the other side of the world all by herself, blah, blah, blah. So I have so much respect for her and love for her in the sense that she was always supportive of my dreams. Whatever I wanted to do, she was my biggest supporter, no matter what other people would say or anything like that. But I know that it wasn't easy for her, but because I left several times from a younger age, it got easier for her to go through that mother-daughter detachment process that every mother right. has to go through, you know, not being so attached and not letting your children out of the nest, so to say, mm -hmm. um, with, which is typical with helicopter parents these days, right? I think it's a big issue, actually. Do you guys have yeah. a pretty open communication? Absolutely. I would say my mom is my best friend. She knows everything. 
I have no secrets whatsoever. No boundaries. <laughs> no boundaries. Like she's like Mia, please. <laughs> I don't need yeah, to know exactly. that. Yeah, exactly. Like sometimes that's the case. She's like, that's too much information. What? <laughs> Oh, well, <laughs> so I'm definitely, I feel very, very blessed because it's a, it's a pretty unique relationship that I don't know whether a lot of other people have that in the same way. So, yeah, and I don't think it's a coincidence that you do what you do for work. So much mm -hmm. of it is about communication, if not all of it. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I do want to talk a little bit about your work as a leadership consultant What I want to ask you is, what is conscious hacking? Can you tell me a little bit about that? Yes. So basically, consciousness hacking is a term that I came up with to explain a process of how to solve your problems better and faster. Because we cannot solve the problems we face today with the same way of thinking that created them. And basically consciousness hacking helps people develop a higher order logic through different types of mind expanding processes that I guide them through. And the reason why I do that specifically with leaders is because of my background in, in leadership development. I've been working as a leadership consultant and learning experience designer for many years now. So I was not only thinking about what do leaders need to learn in order to not only survive but thrive in the future of work, but also how do they need to learn it through instructional and experience design, especially in an online context. Because everyone who's probably listening has already attended some kind of online training or course. And sometimes that can be very boring, especially when you come from a more corporate context. It's a lot of slides and like really weird exercises that feel super unnatural, you know, and what I wanted to bring into it is a lot more gamification and experiential exercises to really like have an experience because consciousness hacking is really this, the, the symbiosis of my professional trajectory so far, as well as my personal passion, which is spirituality. You know? And I always was fascinated about the deeper meaning of things and the why, as we said earlier, right, from my childhood, like that curiosity and the asking bigger questions of why am I here and who am I ultimately? And that is really what spirituality is about, you know, finding a sense of meaning and fulfillment and connection to yourself as well as something that's bigger than yourself, right? So yeah, I wanted to do that for myself and for, for other people to help them bring more of themselves to work ultimately and experience more fulfillment in their work and in their lives. Can you share That's one of the exercises that you've tried with your clients that all of us can apply on a regular basis? Mm. A lot of those processes are something where you need a facilitator to guide you through because they're kind of like a hypnosis. I guide people oh. into a hypnotic state. And so one of the processes is called aspectics. And aspectics is basically allows you to get in touch with aspects of your psyche that you have split off. We often call that the shadow, right? Like mm -hmm. the rejected, suppressed, unwelcome parts of ourselves that actually need to be integrated so that we can become a whole human being, which is really the purpose of, of life, to become more integrated and more whole. 
So aspectics allows people to get in touch with aspects that they have been suppressing based on a very practical problem that they face right now. So I ask them like, what's their, what's their challenge right now? You know, what do you deal with that's unpleasant? And what would you like to experience? And then we get in touch with that aspect because every aspect, no matter how self-destructive or unwelcome or annoying or whatever it may be, they all have a purpose for us. Everything that we do works in favor for us. So let's say someone's smoking and they really struggle with it and all of that. The habit of smoking actually is an attempt of the younger part of them to self-soothe, to calm them down, to help them relax. Even though it's a negative way of achieving that goal, that aspect of wanting to smoke actually wants to help them. So I help them acknowledge that in a way where they can acknowledge it in an altered state. It's not just I'm telling them this. I guide them into this hypnotic state where they then have images appear in their mind, potentially body sensations, and they get more and more in touch with that aspect. We go through different layers until they basically reach a state of unity consciousness, which is the experience of pure peace, kind of light or darkness, but it feels very deeply at peace. And that could, could be referred to as a state of semi-enlightenment, when there's nothing left apart from pure peace, relaxation, fulfillment, and joy. And then from that state that they have experienced uh, when we drill to the very bottom, I guide them back to the original problem. And the original problem seems so insignificant. We remove a lot of the emotional charge by guiding them into spiritual expanded states of being. So we hack their consciousness from going from autopilot and a more limited way of looking at things to an extremely expanded state. So when we do that continuously, we widen and expand our perspectives. That's so interesting. And, you know, I think I've met maybe just one other person. He's a mutual friend of ours, Max. I think he also does hypnosis. I'm, I'm not exactly sure, but I've always wondered what that is like. So can you walk me through as an example, what that's like? I come in to the same space as you, you sit me down and then mm -hmm. what's next? You wave a cloth in front of my face <laughs> yeah. and I follow it with my eyes. Like that's what I think about when I think about hypnosis, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So one of my best friends actually is a proper hypnotherapist and it's slightly different. I'm not a hypnotherapist. The processes that I use have elements of hypnosis but they're also inspired by NLP neuro-linguistic programming and they're very interactive like the client has to talk to me about what they see what they experience so it's more conversation whereas hypnosis is more that it's like a similar to a meditation at least from my experience when my friend is guiding me into a hypnotic state She's talking to me so that I relax my body. I feel different body parts. You literally sit down, close your eyes, you know, and you start with your feet and then you scan your body until you have come out of your mind and more into your body. Usually there's an element of counting backwards from like 10 to one to really, I don't know what it does in your brain, but I can tell you that it works. <laughs> mm. That when she does that to me, I can really relax the more I count those numbers down. But ultimately, all hypnosis is self-hypnosis. Like they guide you through an experience, but ultimately you come up with images and they tell you like, imagine this beautiful place where you feel super safe. For me, often it's like a forest with a 
lake and some unicorns and like butterflies and it's just like beautiful and then when you feel in this mental space then then they bring you more in touch with let's say your inner child and then you envision that suddenly the younger version of you is meeting you by that lake and together you're sitting there and then you start a conversation but it's all happening in your mind they only instruct you and then eventually you come back whereas the processes that i use they are much more conversational and i piggyback off of what you say and that inspires how i guide the process next hypnosis wow. is very straightforward mine is more like dynamic and interactive and more personalized ultimately so that's oh the gosh. main difference we have to do this one of these days yes please absolutely i would <laughs> that love sounds that amazing mm -hmm. i mean i think on a day-to-day -day basis that can do a quick body scan you know uh, pay attention to their breath relax your shoulders like basically go from head to toe mm -hmm. one body part at a time But I do find that when there is someone guiding you, you can relax a part of your brain that you're, gui that you're using to guide yourself. And there's Absolutely. something very nice about that. I've done that before where someone's guided me, but I haven't done it before where someone's actually talking to me and leading me through the process in that way. So I'm very curious to know. I would love to do that with you. I think that would be <laughs> amazing. Yeah, let's do that. We all talk to ourselves and there's always voices mm -hmm. in our heads. Even when I'm journaling, I have a pretty good habit of journaling every day. It's a conversation with myself. And so you represent that other voice in my head as if I am talking to myself in exactly. a form. It is very similar that now sense? that you're bringing it up. Totally. It can be seen a little bit like the conversation you have with yourself whilst journaling but I would ask questions back. So, but it's, it's a similar notion for sure. That's cool. I can imagine after we do that, I'm just going to hear your voice in my head every time <laughs> I talk to myself. I hope that's not creepy. <laughs> no, not all. all of a sudden I'm speaking in a German accent. <laughs> yeah, that would be nice. <laughs> Can you tell me a little bit about spiritual intelligence, what that is and what role that plays into everything that we just talked about? Mm. So spiritual intelligence is the topic that I wrote my master thesis on that I just completed. And basically it's our ability to think, feel and act as our higher self rather than being driven by the ego. And It's really the outcome that we're aiming for through consciousness hacking. It's like an elevated state of being. We have cognitive intelligence, we've got emotional intelligence, and cognitive intelligence, you know, computers have very high IQ. They're very analytical, rational, and have so much more brain power, really, than we do. A lot of animals have high EQ. They can sense intuitively what's going on. They're very receptive. If you think of dogs or cats or even horses, I'm a big horse rider and I found it amazing how, how those animals, because they're herd animals, show you your leadership strength really and whether they trust you or not. It's fascinating. And they don't play games like humans. They show you immediately whether they trust you or not. Humans can fake it, but animals don't. Spiritual intelligence, neither computers nor animals have that because, again, it's that ability to ask why. 
why do I feel this way? Why should I do that? Why do I think this way? And why am I here? Who am I? You know, those ultimate existential questions and our ability to, yeah, not only ask them, but answer them for ourselves. And to make it a bit more graspable, I found this one framework that explains spiritual intelligence quite well in terms of the capabilities that are associated with it, which is a form of transcendental awareness, which is being aware that there's something bigger going on, you know, that the world is not just like material, that there's something immaterial that goes beyond me and that I don't understand, but that is there, you know, so transcendental awareness. Personal meaning making, which is basically what we touched on already, especially which is a quality that is so vital these days, I think, to make meaning out of complexity and crisis when we face adverse events to still be able to explain them to ourselves and thereby be able to navigate them better is, I think, an like, invaluable quality to be able to have. Conscious state expansion is another capability associated with spiritual intelligence, which is basically what I do through consciousness hacking. You know, it's, an, it's a conscious, in a way, dedicated practice to expand your mind and work on that through meditation, through hypnosis, through the processes about opening your mind. And yeah, those are some qualities that are associated with spiritual intelligence, which really is about an elevated way of being through which you experience more fulfillment, ease, joy, and everything in, in, in your life, in your relationships, in your work, etc. I mean, who doesn't want that? Exactly, who doesn't want that? Joy. <laughs> Yeah. Is there any way that we can cultivate that on our own a little bit every day? Yeah. I mean, based on those three capabilities that I just mentioned, there's definitely ways to, to do that. I mean, the conscious state expansion could be through something like meditation, hypnosis, working with other processes. I mean, uh, psychedelics are a great way to do that too. I wouldn't advise anyone to take them. They definitely have to be taken with a lot of caution, but they are another tool going into nature, um, watching sunsets, sunrises can make you feel very small and make you aware that there's something bigger, which ties into that other capability, right? That transcendental awareness, that there is something that's, that's beyond you. Or some people, when they experience or create art, you know, that they feel like there's some magic that is just inspirational there's the word spirit in that or during sexual experiences people can also have ex like transcendental experiences where they merge with another and you know go into higher higher states of ecstasy there's many different ways in which we could cultivate that i find a, a practical question to ask myself is um what is good about this you know or why is this happening for me not to me Maybe you've heard about that question already. It's simple, but it's, it's it's can be such a powerful way of reframing when we face adversity. Because I'm I'm guilty of that too. I fall into victimhood, you know, and I'm like, oh, why does this happen to me? You know, like everyone else is fine, like blah 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 blah. But ultimately, if I turn it around and ask myself, why is this happening for me? We can deal with adverse circumstances in a better way and see that they are actually here for our soul evolution. 
Do you remember if you had a moment in the past or throughout your journey that led you to become this executive coach, talking about these kind of topics, doing what you do now? Because I can't imagine you would have been able to define this as a child. <laughs> It's very <laughs> specific. And mm -hmm. it sounds very fulfilling and enjoyable to you right now. So do you remember a moment where you asked that question, why? I feel like it wasn't an idea that suddenly popped into my head. It was more a, a way of different paths that I was on that suddenly seemed to start merging. You know, one was, I have a background in, in management, communication and leadership. I was doing my bachelor in that whole area. And then after or in 2020, when I started my master's degree in consciousness studies, the reason why I did that was because I was always fascinated about spirituality. I originally was fascinated about psychology, to be honest, but I felt like there was something missing, you know, but it felt so analytical. I was like, my God, I'm so much more with myself and analyzing them rather than with the other person. I'm not present, you know. And I'm judging someone else based on different movements that they do, etc., rather than just being open. I wanted to dive more deeply into spirituality and also take away that woo-woo notion that is still very present these days around it, right? A lot of people think it's just like this fluff, unnecessary, especially in a business context. And by doing a Master of Science in that field, I wanted to not only consciously dedicate my energy and attention to learning more about this stuff, but also learning it in a scientifically grounded way so that I would have more authority and credibility when speaking about these topics, especially in a business context, you know. So now I feel like I can talk about my, my passion, which is around spirituality in a more, in a way where people take me more seriously. And that was one of the main things also why I wanted to do a master's degree in it. And after having, or like whilst completing that and actually dedicating my thesis on the topic of spiritual intelligence and, and leadership, it kind of started merging together, you know, because I was like, I'm exploring the spiritual stuff here and I'm also doing my work there. I was like, this, it's so annoying that I have to have a split focus. I don't like that. And again, as we said earlier, one of the points in life is further integration. So I wanted to integrate the two. And that's what I started doing whilst writing my thesis. And now basically I'm putting the findings of how to help business leaders develop spiritual intelligence that I researched into practice through my work. So in short, it wasn't like, oh, I think this is a great idea. It's it, it like evolved organically by weaving together my experience and leadership and my expertise in the field of consciousness and spirituality. And you always sought it out in education. Were there people that you met that inspired you or influenced mm. you in, in any way? Mm. Mm. Mentors? Um, some of my former bosses were quite spiritual, not for, like overtly that they would be spiritual leaders or anything or that they would even you know be great meditators but they were deep thinkers and what they were all they had a very entrepreneurial spirit and so did my dad and besides that it was really uh, part of my nature around being curious and also 
personal experiences that I had, for example, through psychedelics or in nature or also a difficult and traumatic experience can also catalyze quote unquote awakening moments where you're like, like what actually matters here right now? What, what is what life really about? What was that um, experience for you? Well, when I had to leave Australia, like the short version of it is, is that I had built my life over there, loved living there, was living there for two and a half years, was just about to get my longer term visa. And that was all in February 2020. And I then got fired very unexpectedly because, you know, news were coming over from China that something was going on with that virus thing. And I was working for a startup at the time and they suddenly decided that they don't have the funds to sponsor me visa-wise. So that was eight days before my old visa expired. So basically I had eight days to figure out what the hell I'm doing now. <laughs> and everywhere around me, the borders were shutting. I definitely didn't want to go back to Germany, but I didn't really see where else I could go in the world because like doors were closing everywhere. And so very abruptly, I had to leave not only my job and my income, but also my partner at the time, and obviously my, my, my flat and my friends and all of that within a week. So if you think about pillars of stability in life, which is usually your relationship that you're in, the, the place where you live and your job, all of them were taken away within a week. And I wasn't even sure if I would get to my home home, you know, as in Germany, because borders were shutting within like hours. So... That was pretty traumatic. And I'm still three years after that happened, as in now, I'm still trying to understand how much that actually impacted me because I overreact in certain situations. For example, visa regulations in Mexico definitely overreact because of that, you know, where other people are like, Mia, why are you, you know, acting so weird around that? And why are you thinking in, you know, such catastrophic ways about why people might kick you out of the country and stuff like that? And I'm like, mm. I think this trauma is deeper than I would have expected. Anyway, so because I faced a lot of adversity on the job front, money front, relationship, and, you know, I was back in Germany where I really didn't want to be. I had to have something that keeps me going. I was going through such a deep existential crisis. And that's really where trying to find meaning in my suffering together with being in lockdown, the whole world was shut down. That was a lot of suffering on a global level at the same time. I needed something to hold on to. And it was faith, ultimately. And I was never raised in a religious way, but... I could understand why people pray and why people want to have something that gives them hope and strength in difficult times. And because I didn't want to be constricted by a set of rules and dogma and regulations and codes of conduct that come with different types of world religions, which are fair enough, you know, everyone can choose. I wanted to create my own. And that's what spirituality is about. It's about your personal religion. It's about having faith in something whether you want to call that God or the universe or life or yourself or doesn't matter. But I wanted and needed that faith in order to get through that very difficult existential crisis on many levels. And because that was giving me a lot of stability, I wanted to pursue that in more depth. Also for myself, because I had some dogma around spirituality. You know, I thought it's this fluffy, woo-woo, new-agey thing, which a lot of people 
portray it in that way and it can be that and yeah so that's why in the same year I started my master's degree to learn more about it and actually bring it into the world in a way that is that can be taken seriously and that can be of real value to people and not just like some fluffy ideas. Such good timing too right because that experience that you've had during COVID so many of us can relate mm. so great timing for you to get into coaching and guiding people and connecting with themselves so that they can find some peace and even some level of awareness to understand what effects during that time still has on them. So I wanted to ask, because so much has happened in the year's time, do you have any thoughts and feelings or plans even about the future and, and what's to come? Yes, I mean, right now, again, I have... I have just finished my master thesis. Uh, I was working two jobs whilst completing my thesis, which was intense. Incredible. Um, incredible. Yeah, I'm quite like amazed by how I how I did it. But I paid the price. You know, I paid the price health wise, um, which is why now I chose to take some time off until the end of the year to really balance my nervous system again and gather my resources in order to and keep going and bring the work that I'm intending to bring into the world out in an authentic way because I can't and I don't want to teach people about being at peace and fulfilled in their work and all of that if I am in a state of burnout. So I really want to lead by example, which is why I'm doing that right now um, and really yeah, take the time to meditate, take the time to f work further on traumas that we all still have from COVID. I think no one got out of that period of time unaffected and other, other traumas that we um, accumulate through life. So I'm spending more time to further work through them, even though I've been doing that for many years, there's always more, <laughs> always more to come. It's just an indication that you're living life. It is never ending because you're experiencing new things all the time. Absolutely. And as you said earlier, if I take this time to dig deeper into the shadows, I can then come back with even more of the light, you know, and that's my goal. I want to be an inspiration to people and want to bring joy and beauty and fun and lightness into their lives. And that's my intention really for the new year when I gathered more of my energy back um, to really expand on building my business, helping more people, um, yeah, live more deep and meaningful lives, really, and especially work lives. And yeah, enjoying my life here in Mexico. I just recently moved together with my new partner. We're living in Tulum now, and I absolutely love it here. And uh, next year, we want to travel to Europe for maybe two, three months, go to Sweden, go to Germany, um, probably Italy, because those are our favorite places, or maybe Spain. <laughs> um, and yes, I'd also want to go on a Joe Dispenza retreat. That's like my other thing that I really, really would love to do. But those are kind of like my, my short and medium term goals. I've honestly, since COVID, I'm not planning further ahead than six months at a time. Yeah. Um, because I truly believe it's always good to have a plan. But I very much believe that it's essential to be open to plan changes because life happens in mysterious ways and sometimes opportunities present themselves that we would have not expected and it would be wise to take calculated risks 
and say yes to things that we haven't seen coming, but that sound great. And if it feels good in your heart, then take a leap of faith and, and do that. I'm, I'm excited for whatever presents itself to me in the next weeks and months ahead. <laughs> That's such a good lesson learned. Now hearing all of this, I can't wait to celebrate New Year's and our anniversary together. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> to celebrate everything that you just said, because that's worth celebrating. Mm. When this episode with you comes out, you would be my first guest. It should be my fourth episode. And by then, I would have done three solo casts. And for each podcast episode, I like to end with some journaling prompts that people mm -hmm. can take away and do it on, on their own. So I know you journal from time to time or maybe more than that. Um, do you think you can share with us like a prompt or maybe something that you recently journaled about or just something to maybe spark people's thoughts? Because I've said this in, in the first or second episode that sometimes even just to think about what to journal, if it's not a habit of yours, is a whole thing on its own. So yeah, do you think there's something that you can share with us in regards to that? Mm. Something that immediately popped into my head was what we were touching on earlier, that people think of a challenge that they have right now and write down, why is this happening for me? And write the four in capital letters. Why is this happening for oh, me? I love this. <laughs> I love this so much. And underline it three times, you know, and then find at least five reasons for why this is happening for me and see how you feel after that. You know, notice the change in your perspective and that everything really is just a matter of perspective and that when you change and your perspective changes, the things around you change. I love that so much. I'm going to apply that to my journaling process. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Catherine. It was amazing. That was so great. honored to be, be here with you and share the space and have delightful, inspirational conversations as always. Such a pleasure. As always. And um, look forward to seeing you maybe next week. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> I'll interview your mom. She can be my yes. fourth guest. <laughs> Honestly, why not? <laughs> That would be so interesting. <laughs>